Wunderkind Research reveals exclusive insights from over 100 leading B2C e-commerce brands, suggesting we are on the cusp of a golden age of marketing. Head to wunderkind.co forward slash future commerce to get the report. Hello and welcome to Infinite Shelf. I am your host, Ingrid Millman Cordy, and I'm here with our glamorous, fabulous, beautiful, smart, intellectual. I feel like every time I have to just like up the ante on your introduction as my season three co-host. But Orchid Bertkelson is here with us again, and she's here the whole season and we're so excited. Hey, Orchid. Did you mute yourself again, my love? I did. I did. <laughs> we like basically we spent the first, last ten minutes trying to figure out what was wrong with my mic, and I accidentally muted it. So I'm having I'm having a moment today. But I will say I will keep coming back to this podcast if you open everything with like new superlatives. I should do the same for you. Yours would be like stuffy nose, cranky pregnant lady <laughs> who is late too often. No, mother, <laughs> mother of dragons, world builder. You're creating human <laughs> life and looking fabulous while doing it. I mean, what more could you ask for? Why, thank you. Why, thank you. Uh, it's my it's my Ilya face lotion that um, I have a friend visiting and she like saw my little makeup thing in, in my bathroom and she was like, that shade of Ilya is for African-American women. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> she totally, she totally dragged me for my, my shade. And it's just, it's me faking the funk. Cause otherwise they don't make like extra white corpse tone. <laughs> in my- <laughs> they, we got to workshop that name. It's not a great name. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. The marketing on it is just really sad. Anyway, hi. How are you doing this week? You know, just trying to trying to hold it together. <laughs> I think my problem is that most people, when they ask, how are you doing? You should just say good. <laughs> for me, for some reason. Yeah, like I feel very compelled to give an honest assessment of like no. my mental health, which like I, usually I just want like honesty. kicks me down I, a rabbit hole. So I'm holding it together, you know, mother of two, like, you know, so working a full-time job, trying to do good things, trying to, you know, really bring the thoughts, <laughs> bring the smart thoughts to this thing. How are you doing? I'm good. And and I think actually this this is a good way to start this conversation because we I think a lot of what we're trying to talk about here is relatability and versus aspiration, right? Because the topic of today's episode is sort of uh influencer brand messaging creator what what do brands dc brands but i think all brands look like in 2023 and beyond with like where we're at now and so i am feeling well a i don't know if you you can probably hear i have i'm super congested i have like this nose cold thing i have a i, I have a 52 height frame and an a, a large, I guess, child inside of, I guess, I'm certain child inside of my body that is squishing my <laughs> lungs. <laughs> and so is that like, why you sound of out the... of breath? <laughs> yes. I'm just kidding. You 100%. I totally do. I also probably should not be sitting like cross-legged on this chair with, anyway, my 
I'm just all sorts of red flags here. But hey, I'm so relatable, aren't I? Like who hasn't felt like this? Who's been pregnant, eight months pregnant and, and recording their podcast and talking about how squished their lungs are and how stuffed their nose is. So yeah, that's yeah. how I'm doing today. It's a very <laughs> relatable. I mean, as the baby grows, it actually pushes all of your internal organs further up your body. Um, so I was promised that I was able to eat anything I wanted. But by the time the baby's pretty big, like you really don't have room. But yeah, but I will like, say, you know, in this in this motherhood journey, I mean, you know, I've got two now. You know, I, I want to bring it back to what we're discussing today, which is like the idea of influencers, right? The idea of, you know, you going into a space. And I think the as a first-time mom, you're not really quite sure what to expect. And so I, I know I started my journey with following a lot of those mommy bloggers or Instagrammers. But you know, as a first-time mom, there's just so much noise out there about what you should and should not be doing. And for me and my husband, we were really the first in our friend group to have kids. Uh, so I didn't really have anyone to ask and I'm an only child. So I kind of took to Instagram. Like there's so many mommy bloggers, mommy oh. influencers out there. And I actually had to stop following them because of the topic of relatability. Like they always looked so perfect. They, you know, really talked about the pregnancy glow, which for me was just a little bit of sweatiness. I don't know that I really <laughs> glowed that much. And so it just felt so foreign to what I was experiencing. Like there really wasn't this um, candid conversation about it. Yeah. And so, you know, now when I look at, now the the people who influence me i think are ones who are very open about struggles who are very open that you know not everything's sunshine and roses and i take that totally. to heart more for sure totally yeah i i was pregnant with my first in 2020 into 2021 and that was already with the like switch over from the beautiful, highly curated like world that Instagram created that was just really, really far from reality and into like deep pandemic, let's keep it real language and YouTube and TikTok sort of starting to like take over that stuff. And so thankfully, I don't know how I, I would have reacted to the like just the few years earlier of the world where everything is like curated and perfect. And here's the 17 step breakfast that I just made for my <laughs> toddler. And like, F that, like F all of that. And like, I, I would have probably like flipped a table daily having to see that and like going through what it actually feels like for everyone else or most people who don't have 24 seven help. Um, but so I, I think that it's it's actually you're hitting on such an interesting point in not only is it different for what the creators are saying and how they're coming to life and how they're connecting with their audiences. But I think actually I look at all of the social media platforms as like different neighborhoods in like a city. So I'm from New York, so everything is about New York City. And so there's like Instagram is like the Upper East Side right? And so everything is very polished and beautiful and like on the park and curated, but like underneath it, everyone's kind of like addicted to painkillers and like hates their <laughs> husbands. and <laughs> Like very, very gossip girl. It's gossip girl. Very gossip girl. Yes. That is Instagram. Gossip okay. TV shows is okay. probably even more relatable. I love, I love this. You're so tracking. So Instagram is gossip girl. 
Facebook is I don't know, Staten Island. Where do like rumors? <laughs> wow, you 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 punted them. They're not even in Manhattan. Um, I was thinking Upper West Side, no. but I don't think that's right. That's not right. Um, you're thinking no, yeah, it's like a it's yeah. bridge and tunnel. Like we're not we're not in the city anymore <laughs> in Facebook. Okay, all right, I'm still tracking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, TV show, but like a re- I guess like a broad relatable show that maybe isn't like in its prime like friends friends yeah fr- fr- but like friends is still i don't know maybe i'm i was actually thinking of like uh what's the what's the one with the modern family is like facebook oh okay well yeah i, I so is that like connecticut yeah except connecticut's a little bit more bougie but you get yeah, what that's I'm fair. saying. I right? get what so you're like, saying. I get what you're throwing down. The neighborhood of Facebook is just like, yes, you kind of go on there like every once in a while and like figure it out. There are people who like live and breathe in it and like don't leave it. And you're just like, I don't know what goes on inside of your brain, but like it's not my happy place. And then there's TikTok. <laughs> and I think TikTok is like, I don't know, the the like East Village, Lower East Side, like where think like the, the youngsters are hanging out and they stay up late and they I are can't into, believe like, you just called them youngsters, but the youngsters. I but I get it. So but where's on it, my lawn? What about Brooklyn? <laughs> oh Brooklyn. Brooklyn is probably is definitely TikTok. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's a really good one. What's a TV show? I mean, I guess there's no it would it wouldn't be a TV show. It would be like No, it's just literally anything on TikTok. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're streaming. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, and I think like there's a time and a place to go to most of those places, like as a brand and as a creator and like, but just like knowing the neighborhood that you're in and knowing how to navigate it and who's there and, and what to expect, like what kind of restaurants and stores and whatever um, is, is an important way to think about as a brand, like how you want to show up to your consumers. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, to your point about, hey, like, how, what is what is the context of which you exist in, right? So if we think about being on Instagram, like your content and the context it's in is that everything's extremely polished, right? We know this. Everything is very thought out. It is planned. Like it just has this high level of gloss in there uh, that really isn't on TikTok, right? TikTok is a little more ephemeral. It is, it feels a little more unhinged in the best way (laughs) in that in in that you just don't know what you're going to get Wonderkind surveyed over 100 senior marketing leaders at leading B2C brands to get their outlook on the current state of marketing the in-depth CMO State of the Union report explores how unique challenges like the pandemic, supply chain issues, and the death of the cookie have forced CMOs to throw out their playbooks and reassess their priorities. Read the report to uncover insights and opportunities for your brand. You will gain a better understanding of the current marketing landscape and how it is evolving, giving you a valuable edge to inform your future marketing, product, and communication strategies. Head to wonderkind.co forward slash future commerce to learn more. Ingrid, speaking on, of TikTok, I was thinking about this last night. I would like to do a little exercise, okay? Uh, this is a trust exercise, and we've talked about this. I would like for us to both open up TikTok and download oh, oh, yeah. 
the first video that shows up on our For You page. We're going to download that video and then we're going to text it to each, to each other, okay? okay After we receive fun. it, we're going to both watch it and then we will verbally describe the video that was sent to us. Does that sound good? Done, done. I mean, definitely okay, a trust okay, exercise. Okay. I don't know what the heck is going to come up here, but here we go. Okay. Yeah, no one knows. Okay, hold on. Let me let me pull this up. All right, get okay. ready. This is not as embarrassing as I was hoping. I was actually hoping this would be a little more embarrassing. I don't even actually know what mine is. So let's watch it together, I guess. Okay. So there's a group of women who are singing and the text is POV. You're in an abandoned gymnasium singing Billie Eilish in six part harmony with 52 beautiful humans you've never met before. This is such a Zen <laughs> for you page. Jesus. Okay. So, so to be fair, I did have to reset my for you page yesterday. So what I've found that sometimes when I go down the rabbit hole and it starts to show me way too many tarot readings or Vanderpump drama, I will go to my following tab and then go through that, you know, like a couple of things. And it allows me to kind of recalibrate my for you page. Have you experienced that? I have not, but that is brilliant. And that is such a good way of training your AI minions to do your bidding for you. Um, I have though, and this is such a great time to talk about this because I really hope an executive at TikTok is listening to our sweet little podcast. So there is so much content on TikTok and so many like categories of content that I love like in that right time and space. Like there is a time and place, just using what your examples were, like there's a time and place where I want the tarot card version of TikTok or like I want the, you know, Vander, I probably never that I want the Vanderpump rules one, but like at some point somebody <laughs> will want You're that. missing out. Um, I know, I, I know. But like all of that, I think, I wish that there was, and it doesn't, I don't want it to overcomplicate it because some so much of what makes TikTok so rad is the simplicity of it. But like, I just want to tell them which version of me is like, oh, I'm looking to get inspired creatively. And so they'll give me stuff that I get on like brand development and like logo nerding out and creative director focuses, like all that kind of stuff. Or there's a version of me that just wants silly ass, hilarious, cute videos of like kids and animals and goofy things happening. And you know what I mean? Like I want like three or four different pillars of content that I can like opt into like for that session. Um, that's all. That's that's. I, I love that you contain multitudes and you would like your algorithm to speak to each one. And I think that's fair. I, I think it's interesting though, right? Because it's like if the entire, for me, the entire appeal of TikTok is that it speaks to the mood that I am in without me telling or dictating it. But is it, to t- it. Is it, is it putting you in that mood or were you already in that mood? What came first? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're going to have to ask our AI overlords as to what came first. Um, and I, I, and I, I think there might be a generational thing in liking or saving or bookmarking different TikToks, right? Because I could just enjoy a TikTok and scroll past it, but I 
feel the need to double tap it to show them that I enjoyed their content. Is that a, is that a an old person yes. thing? It's a millennial <laughs> thing. So, I mean, we're aging. So yes, it's an older, it's an older person thing, but you're just like, Oh, congratulations creator. Like you've, you've here. Kudos. I, and I, I understand that instinct, but I don't do that because then I'm like, I don't want to punish myself because I know the algorithm is mm. going to go, Oh, she likes this. And and you're mm-hmm. just being polite. You're like, good. You, you seem like you work kind of hard <sighs> on this. I'm going to like give you some kudos here, which is so admirable and cute and sweet, but like, you're kind of, <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of like screwing yourself in that. And there's just no time for that. Oh, no. no. All right. I might need to delete the entire thing or create a new account. What happens if I'm just savage and I just don't like anything? But I do feel like so I follow a couple of um, food TikTokers who just like create this. I mean, some of them are a little thirst trappy, to be fair. Um, But a lot of just like create this like amazing dish. Right. And so I do feel like I need to support their work by double tapping. It's like tipping. Am I tipping them through my engagement? I just, and I, I'm not like an expert on how the TikTok algorithm is working, but like there is, I do wish, you bring up a very valid point. I do wish that there was a distinction that I wish there was like a kudos versus, yeah, or like a tipping kudos, like some kind of like, I appreciate you versus like, yes, algorithm, like send me more of this kind of thing, even though it's not a hundred percent up my alley, but I like respect the hustle. Yeah. So Eric, our producer is reminding us that there is the TikTok creator fund, but I couldn't remember if it was based on views. I think it's based on views and not engagement though. Right. Oh, it's both. She thinks it's both. She's the resident Gen Zer. I know. So see, that's why I feel like, I mean, not that they're like making a significant amount of money on there, but it's like, for me, it's like, yay, content creation is hard. Like I'm encouraging them. (laughs) I totally agree. And ultimately I I would be curious of like the Venn diagram of like the things that you want to like, to like give kudos to the creator versus the things that you just genuinely like and are like, oh, I'm so glad that this made it into my day. All right. Well, now we know that I am aging. Um, But no, I mean, I think TikTok, again, like just, it's interesting the type of content you have on there. And I want to, you mentioned, was it Ilya, the makeup brand before? Yeah. My my flawless foundation. Yes. Uh, so with makeup influencers, it's also fascinating because you have, um, someone like a Michaela who I think was early on TikTok and like had worked at Ulta, um, a while back. And she was always gave this like very honest, um, this honest assessment of what the makeup that she was using was and how it works. And she swears a little bit, which is nice because she's not entirely perfect about it. Um, but I have found that TikToks where someone is actually giving like a verbatim or like taking you through the product and how you use it. Like that's been a huge purchase intent driver for me personally. Oh, big time. And like I could, I can spend an an entire season talking about like beauty and skincare and makeup influencers, like not just on TikTok, but on YouTube and like the evolution of it. And like, that's just, it's so the foundation and the groundwork for what content creation has become and like what the evolution is. And it's fascinating. Um, it, 
was very much like Instagram polished, like full face beauty and truly, I'm not exaggerating, probably a hundred step routine that took like 40 minutes. And that that's why all the younger girls, like the Gen Z girls, they know how to do makeup like professional makeup artists. Oh, 100%. They grew up mainlining that stuff. And like, <laughs> they just like, they would literally, I had a friend who I would ask like, oh, how do you, because I was in makeup and beauty for so long. And she w- was in high school at the, this was actually, this is my niece. My niece is very, very cool. Um, She's in college now. When she was in high school, when she would wake up in the morning, she would watch makeup YouTubers just like in the background, like while she's getting ready. Like that was her ambient television or whatever, like where we watch like full house reruns or something Uh like that, probably. Um, She, that's what they want. And she was, she's, it's like her and all of her friends, like that whole generation just grew up truly mainlining like makeup and skincare and stuff like that. And that's how they know all their angles. They know how to contour. Like I have worked in makeup and skincare for like a decade and like, I still don't know how to contour. Well, so I think that's fascinating too, because when we, when we talk about creators and, you know, I would love to actually get a a history lesson on this of, you know, how it started on YouTube, but there is more diversity out there. So, I mean, you know, us growing up, it's not like I could find, um, so I have a monolid and so it's not like I could find content around how to create the best makeup or draw the best cat eye for a monolid. But now with like just the wealth of creators out there, like I can find someone who, you know, has similar features who I could find. I mean, there's a million videos on there on specifically how to use liquid liner for monolids. So So I will say that, you know, before, before, I think while we were growing up, you had all of the supermodels, right? Yep. And so there was only one way of applying makeup because that messaging was still very much push messaging. It was still very much branded. Mm-hmm. And now when you have creators out there, they'll actually speak to a lot of the flaws or, you know, challenges you have with like skin texture, whatever it is, yep. Yep. and they can actually highlight that. Um, so I love that about it. Um, and we'll also say that, um, the idea of makeup and how we use it, I think culturally has shifted as well. Like makeup used to be about covering things, right? Like you wanted to look flawless because you wanted to cover certain quote unquote flaws that you had. Whereas I do think that there's been a shift in the beauty conversation about a celebration of creativity. Totally, totally. And and it, it is always like this pendulum of like skincare and makeup, right? And like usually when it goes to the makeup, it's all about like coverage and here's the formula for making a beautiful face. And then skincare, it's the same thing, but with like skincare products and um, moisturizing and the dewy look and all of that kind of stuff. Whereas I think now it's possible that, so that same generation that grew up watching, um, makeup influencers, like they have a basic foundational understanding of like how makeup works and what, what can be achieved. And now they're experimenting so much more with like color and expression and makeup has really grown and evolved based on like, you almost have to, it's, it's, what is that famous line where it's like, know the rules like a master so you can break them like an artist. 
Oh, I did not know that saying, but I love it. I love that saying. And I think that this is a funny way to like embody it. But like the that younger generation, they learn the rules like a master. Like they're all in high school, like doing incredible professional level makeup. And now they're kind of like, cool, like I get that, like check, great. It's not very inspiring anymore. And now they're like playing around with color and um, shapes and different blah, blah, blah. And and I think that's such a cool, now the artistry is coming into makeup. Um, and I, I'm, I'm here for it. I think that's very cool. And I think that's another step into like what we were talking about earlier with, you know, going from the like flawless supermodel Instagram, then even in the beginning of that to the TikTok, which is just like fun and expressive and playful and relatable, but still aspirational. And I think that's where at least right now, everyone who understands brands at like modern brands and the modern consumer is sort of moving toward. Yeah. And I will say that creators allow brands a flexibility in terms of addressing those different need states, addressing the different, you know, types of artistry and just, I think being like proliferating that content around specific communities in a way that if a great, if a brand had to create it personally, that they couldn't, they just couldn't keep up with the volume. They couldn't keep up with the creativity. I mean, what are your thoughts around that? I think that it just opens up it's just content, right? Like you have so much and and I hope this is sort of answering your question, but it's kind of like the monoculture or like what used to have happen where like it was one group or one small group of just following the the supermodel example and the and the small group of magazines that like told you we're the authority on what's cool and what's not and where you should shop and how you should look and what's in style and what's aspirational. Now that definition of what's cool and what looks good and what feels good and is, is trendy has expanded infinitely. And I, I do think that that's more of a result of the people who are creating input into our, the new generation and like hopefully expanding out just more is just the diversity of thought and experience and people and like you were saying, different skin conditions or like even outside of skincare and makeup, like different tastes in cars or homes or hobbies or whatever. Like it's not just like this is the blueprint for what is cool and right and and the way that you should aspire to be. But like, and to keep up with that, you need a ton of content, you need a ton of people. And so that's what I think is underlying in the dynamics of how a brand goes to market, which makes it really, really complicated. Is that sort of like... What yeah, you're- I think so. I mean, I think it just allows... The, so inherently, the brand needs to behave differently, right? Because if we if we talk about the history of communication, of marketing, it was all push, right? It was all push. Brand campaigns took forever to create. I mean, I've been, you know, part of the process for TV shoots and those take, you know, months and months uh, to produce. Um, whereas now like the brand, I mean, it's going to relinquish some kind of control, right? Mm -hmm. It has to. And this has been the conversation. I think the tension for a lot of brand owners for a long time and that they have to cede control over, uh, how exactly their brand looks. They have to be less precious about it. So, but what they can do, right, is provide a framework or general guidelines for a creator 
to shine because, you know, I think you and I, you know, in being at the early stages of digital marketing and of the rise of influencers, a lot of brands, especially the big ones, wanted to be, wanted to put these creators in a box, right? They said like, Hey, this is according to brand guideline. You can say this, you can't say that. And they were so restrictive that the creators were like, Hey, I feel like a shill. Or like, or they just ended up saying yes. And then everything that they created was so boring and like defeated the whole purpose. And so I think taking the, what you're saying is just brilliant. Like this is so exactly on the money of like, if anyone cares about what maybe you and I both have to say about going to market in the modern ecosystem, it's yes, it's not rules, it's tools, right? So like, here's the thing that you here, here are the boundaries, here are the guidelines to a certain extent, but then be you and turn that into your own content. And I think that is the biggest differentiator between people who ran brands 20 years ago and people who will run modern brands is that modern brands, of course, like if you don't, you can't just not have any boundaries and not have any guidelines because then you're not a brand. You're just like a thing, right? But like the 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 flexibility and the ebbs and flows and how you talk to an audience is so much more nuanced and complicated than it was back then. And so I always, even now, like people will give creative feedback or whatever, and there'll be the people who are so incredibly stringent about the brand and like how the product is photographed and like even to the drop shadow, like stupid, stupid things like that. And in their minds, they're like, this is my job. Like if I'm not talking about where the drop shadow of the product image is, like I'm, I'm screwing this up. Why am I here? Why am I here? (laughs) Right. And, and that is so just like, you're not seeing the forest through the trees in, in the sense. Whereas before, that's all there was, right? Because you have that one shot, that one print ad that's going to show up in that magazine and you have to like nail it. And it's just not that way anymore. So things are not as precious. Like things are run faster and more freely. And, you know, so yeah, I think that's, it's such a key important takeaway. I love that you brought that up and you said it really thoughtfully. I think we should, I mean, you know, in terms of like the creator conversation as well as, okay, when we really lean into the theme of direct with consumer and creating constructs and inviting people into it, I would love to spend our time using a couple of great examples of how brands have done that, right? Like how do they create something that allows someone to interpret it for themselves Mm -hmm. in a way that feels meaningful and personal to them? Because I've seen it done wrong. So I worked on an ice cream brand a million years ago. And one of their guidelines was that it was sold in pints. And one of their guidelines, they're like, hey, health and nutrition says that we should not show people eating directly from the pint. So you cannot show people eating from the pint. You have to scoop it out into a bowl and that person needs to enjoy it from a bowl. But in order to get the logo and the branding in, they have to be sitting next to the pint. And you're like, what world are we operating in? Everybody eats from the pint. Just show it eating from the pint, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that one is complicated because like you're now, you're regulatory gets involved. And exactly. Like, that's where all creative <laughs> goes to die. So thanks, you guys. Um But yeah, I mean, I think just in general, the spirit of what you're saying is really hitting home for me right now, which is just how do we make it feel relatable, 
still somewhat aspirational because you're trying to sell something, you're selling a dream. So, you know, that, that sentiment will never be beaten out of me because I, because of where I come from and from like fashion and beauty, like it is aspirational. Right. Um, but we, we have to loosen the reins a little bit. And actually I do think that you end up loosening the reins and really figuring out what your brand is versus resting on these like four or five really specific things that you think are about your brand and you just tunnel vision your way through. Whereas now brands are, are dynamic. They're three-dimensional. They have a tone. They have a voice. They have all of these attributes that don't work in this like very, very rigid world that was created before. So I think the takeaway of this episode, and thank you for taking this journey with me. (laughs) It's been really fun. The takeaway of this episode is know what your brand is fundamentally, but then in practice and the same way with like humans, you know, we sometimes we we are humans and i can i can tell you five different attributes about me that are undisputable but that doesn't mean that every single time you see me or talk to me i'm going to demonstrate all five of those attributes i'm going to be over in attribute 3 versus attribute 5 on one day you know what i mean like we fluctuate and i think that we need to start building and like fostering brands that allow for that Yeah. I mean, again, like you contain multitudes, right? And so brands contain multitudes. And so the question becomes, how do you shift from this rigid, very dictated and mandated way of how a brand acts? And then how do you like allow the oxygen of creativity of consumers to really help feed and grow and evolve this brand, which I think is really exciting. It really is exciting. It's it makes it it makes marketing not boring, which I'm always here for. Um, yeah, I I tell my teams all the time, like it's marketing. If we're not having fun, then the consumers aren't having fun, right? Totally, totally. And I think everyone, um, we just get really lost in some of the big metrics and things like that. But it's important to keep in mind, like these are living, breathing things that are imperfect. Um, Orchid, this has been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Where we will actually review the video from your For You page. So you're not off the hook. (laughs) Shit. God damn it.